wasn't banging the table, even though you said I was banging the table. No one heard anything. They didn't, but I don't know. Sometimes it picks it up, and sometimes it doesn't. It's weird. Maybe it's if this thing moves at all, like if you're hitting too close to the... Oh, yeah, too close to the, the stage. But if you're over here, maybe it's fine. I don't know. I'm just trying to prevent any errors from coming up. I think you have flashbacks from our early days whenever we had that table. <laughs> when you slightly shifted, <laughs> and it was like... <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the slightest bump. Oh, those Jesus. were rough days. Oh, we do that. Anytime I tried to like edit it, I'm like, well, I did my best. <laughs> I would literally go through and I'd like decrease the volume of that section and try oh to like mess with the levels. So many people would be like, yeah, it's still a little loud at times. Seems like your sound is all over the place. <laughs> okay, um, well, we have a $30 mic that we have set on top of a table. On top of a table. On top of... Um, curtains that my cats ripped off. <laughs> exactly. For soundproofing. So, um, in a massive open room yeah. with one microphone sitting on a couch, leaning in. The two of us yeah. tried to do it. Yeah. And so. if you slightly <laughs> leaned back, like you didn't get, you were not heard. Yep. You had to literally just be leaning. <laughs> just in. hear someone in the background like, hey, I know Yeah. Good stuff. But here we are. And one day we'll be in an even more advanced studio and we'll have an entire podcast network. Want to be in our podcast network? Too bad. (laughs) (laughs) You're doing some great recruitment there, Paul. (laughs) Go fuck yourself. The podcast network is exclusively a network of Evan and I's podcasts because... (laughs) (laughs) It's only us talking, hearing the sound of our own voices. We'll maybe let Samantha have one. Yeah, right. Maybe. We we should since everybody loves Samantha's voice. Samantha's going to be like... Like the Delilah. Exactly. She is going to be the Delilah of the podcast network. Going to come in here in the evenings and put on her show. No, but I think a podcast network isn't out of the question in the future. Yeah. Right now we're definitely too busy. Um, Oh, yeah. I got a lot of ideas for podcasts. Although I can't officially say that true crime is off the table for me. See, I would like to do it. But I don't do research, so yeah. See, that's uh, I would need. <laughs> I don't think I could. I would need somebody to be like, "Here, I wrote this script for you." <laughs> I've had, and not give them any credit. It's it'd be great. Um, <laughs> I've had I've heard. Um, wow, my dogs are viciously trying to get in the room. Get out of here. Um. Anyways, I've had I've heard podcast researchers on true crime podcasts like have to like take breaks and like mm-hmm. even have mental breakdowns because it's horrible. Well, yeah, it's really gruesome. And especially when you go like we don't even go into that much detail. Right. That's the difference. Know? So when you listen to things, you're just hearing. I mean, some details explained, but a lot of like the nasty, nitty gritty stuff that you read yeah. is just left out. Exactly. Yeah. So to go into like like a month of research of that stuff and read all those details and then to sit there and write that week after week after week that's that's mm, a lot yeah people are awful that's what i've learned Mm -hmm. which i've known but they're really awful that's all i listen to at work for eight hours during my shift i listen to true crime (laughs) podcasts and things and then i go home and i'm ready to fight if somebody tries to kill me (laughs) i'm like i don't know why i have this extreme fear of being murdered i know i just listen to murder all day for eight 40 hours exactly but do you know what it keeps you on your toes that's why i go around and i check all the locks in my house 10 times a night make Mm -hmm. sure all the windows are locked make sure the door is locked at least 30 times because (laughs) you never know that one time i do not know how many times i've gone upstairs all the way upstairs and i've been like I'm just going to check that door one more time. And I go downstairs, <laughs> just recheck it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, yeah, I do a visual check by my door every time I walk by because I'm like, mm-mm. 
Nope, especially when that man mumbled under his breath that other day. Yeah, no. Yeah. Mm -mm. Um, So happy Halloween tomorrow. (laughs) Um, Welcome to your queer story. We're your host. I'm Evan Jones. And I'm Paul Hobbs. And this is the podcast that inspires peace, Uh, love, and radicalism. I forgot it for like two episodes, uh, but I didn't forget it today. He came back good, yes. I'm hungover today, so all the memories are flooding back. Mm, That's fun. But yeah, we're here. We're at the the gay Christmas. And I will say that nothing makes me feel like I should lose my queer card more than Halloween. You are horrible at Halloween. I can't stand Halloween. By the way, we were supposed to be recording in a um, costume today. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we are. Remember it's Paul's that, pajamas. Remember that thing I committed to and we never did, mm-hmm. just like the other things? Um, here we <laughs> Don't are. Don't remind our <laughs> listeners. What? Are you kidding me? <laughs> We've They're been- like, I've been looking forward to that picture for the last eight episodes. We could take, we'll take a picture. We're going to take a picture and post it anyways. Paul's in his pajamas <laughs> because he was supposed to be here an hour ago. And I'm in my workout clothes because we were supposed to work out after this. So Listen, those I are our costumes. had a lot of beer and vodka last night. <laughs> And I'm doing my best. That's true. You're doing the best you can, guys. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to, you know what? Actually, I have to come up with a costume for tonight. I don't have a f- fucking clue. No clue. Just be a cowboy. I might. <laughs> I might. Last year, I went, we went as um, Angela and Dwight from The Office, as, as any good millennial couple. And it was an easy costume because you know just found mm-hmm. like some like we went to savers or you whatever. literally could just wear like work clothes exactly exactly <laughs> but the problem was it was a really cold night and the po- the party was outside so instead i was wearing like i had a yellow shirt and then i was wearing uh, a zip up jacket over my my costume and i had this was when i first started really wearing my glasses so everybody just thought i was harry potter and it's like, whatever, fine, I'll be Harry Potter. I don't care. <laughs> They're like, why are you just Angela? <laughs> <laughs> just, that's weird. <laughs> and Samantha and I did not follow through with near the full commitment to our costumes that we talked about. Like, when we talked about it, it got really funny. Like, mm-hmm. she was going to have a fake cat and everything. And, and then said that we just both looked Literally like two, just clothes. two people who <laughs> were close to that party. So that's how we do Halloween in my house. Yeah, see... I'm dating a drag queen, so mm. Halloween for me every year is pretty big. I was in an Oktoberfest later hosen outfit last night. Why didn't you just put that on this morning? Then you would have worn your costume. I didn't think about it. Listen, I struggled this morning. I woke up and... Have you, did you ever watch Spongebob or were you not allowed? You were probably um, I watched it when after I left the cult. So did you ever see the episode where Spongebob goes into um, Sandy's little dome thing and mm. there's no water in there? And he's like, yeah. water! Yeah. Water. That's how I felt this morning. So I'm you're lucky I'm here right now. Well, I should say we're both lucky I'm here right now. I'd yeah. be like, Evan, you gotta do the podcast alone today. I would have been like, I've already finished the episode. <laughs> <laughs> I assumed you weren't coming. <laughs> oh god. Yeah, so we're talking about Halloween today. Um what's your favorite Either Halloween party or horror, or what's something about this day that you love or this um, time of year? I love the smell of Halloween, like the pumpkin candles, mm-hmm. the you know the autumn candles. Yeah, um, this is when all the really delicious food starts to come—the stews and the the roasts and things. Yeah, 
Um, oh. I have a lot that I love about this time of year. Uh, yeah. I love that on Halloween you can kind of just be whatever you want to be and be silly and have fun. That's very queer of you. Um, true. What else? I love Halloween Town. Yeah. The movie series. And I also love The Nightmare Before Christmas. And I also love the weather. Yeah. And I also love the clothes. I love Like, fall is my favorite. I, I... This is when my... So, most people start to get seasonal depression around now. <laughs> You're I get seasonal depression in summer. And then fall comes and I'm like... Yeah. Here. It's... I, <laughs> I'm alive. The death of life is what brings me to life. Exactly. There you go. I, um, I, I, you know, I'm a pumpkin bitch. Mm -hmm. So whatever is pumpkin, I will eat. So this is a good time of year. Although with my diet, <laughs> I, I struggled all week often. and I didn't work out. So we got to get you back in shape next Monday week. Monday is a new get week. You, kick your butt. I had a fantastic workout. Good for you. <laughs> I had so much shit going on this week. You were busy this week. That's I was okay. not just busy. I was like, well, that's okay. I didn't even know who I was anymore because yeah. it was just like, Going and going. This is going to be a long episode because I'm just going to go off on every tangent because I'm totally <laughs> unfocused. But this whole week was just like one thing after another after another. And I was just like, what? where am I at right now? Yeah. Well, that's the thing. You know, that's how life is. That's why you find a diet and exercise routine that works for you mm -hmm. in like real life. And you don't kill yourself when you say, I had a really horrible fucking week. Yeah, exactly. Get back at it next week. That's it. You just pick it back up. But yeah. But yeah, my pumpkin stuff has been limited so i'm drinking a pumpkin spice coffee for the first time in probably oof maybe three weeks like i was like i'm gonna get through the whole fall and not be able to have another coffee mm -hmm. so uh i'm having one of those um and a pumpkin donut but otherwise the only thing that i love and i really suggest and i've said it before i love the book frankenstein it is a oh, beautiful yeah, yeah, yeah. book and i think that so many queer people can relate to it um not not like being a monster, but being perceived like the demon isn't really a monster, but you're perceived that way. Mm -hmm. uh, I just love the book Frankenstein, so which I need to read it again. It's been a little while. How since long I read is it? it? Like 500 pages or something? Crazy? No, it's not. It's not like Dracula is a really long book, but Frankenstein is like an, about an average size book. So what's an, I haven't read. So I've. I mean, it's the real story of Frankenstein, so it's not the movie bullshit version. Listen, the last book I read was The Hunger Games. You would like so Frankenstein. I need, it's like, a really comparison. good. Uh, I don't know. I can't compare it to anything because you don't read, Paul. What you, are you the Hunger Games. I already told you. That's your comparison. That's all you get. It's 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 <laughs> it's action packed. The Hunger Games is like this thick. Okay, the Hunger Games is that thick. There's three of them. Oh, and they're that little. Okay, I would say that Frankenstein's about that size. I didn't know you were talking about size. I thought you were like telling me to compare themes. I'm like, I don't know. What That's why mean. I said, how long is it? <laughs> I and I said an average size of a fucking book. I, would I don't say, know what an average book I is. would say, I don't, you don't want me to go look right now? Because I'll go grab my fucking copy. No, we don't got time. We're, we're not even talking about <laughs> Halloween talking, right now. <laughs> I was going to say, it's probably about 150 pages, maybe oh, 200 easy. most. That's not bad. No, that's what I mean. It's really not that long. Anyways. Um, okay. But yeah, that's what I love about this. Actually, time. I read The Hunger Games on my phone, so I don't even know how thick the, like the, the Kindle thing. Yes. Yeah, so I don't do even know? know how thick the book is. You just guess it. <laughs> yep. You probably read like a 300 page book. I feel like, I don't know. You know what? I know nothing about that. <laughs> so those books. So whatever. Um, <clears throat> yeah, but <laughs> let's jump into the script. <laughs> So today we're back to celebrate the biggest holiday in the queer world, a revered, revered, revered. This is gonna be a rough I'm gonna day. slap you. A revered and honored tradition that dates back nearly a century. 
The great gay holiday, as Pody Judy Grand once said, referring, of course, to Halloween. We hope, of course, that you have that you have all have laid out your stockings and makeup and hatchets and best blood-soaked nightgowns, and perhaps even drawn some inspiration from our episodes this past month. Um, hope you listened to my tips on how to make sure you actually kill somebody. Yes. Whatever your weekend plans, we hope they are devilishly delicious and stupendously gay. But before you don that crown mask, take a moment to enjoy the history of how our people made Halloween the second most popular holiday in America, rivaled only by Christmas. And who's to say we don't take the take? Oh, let's take her first place oh. spot. And who's to say we don't take her first place spot next? And I love the way that Evan writes sometimes because it makes me sound so smart. <laughs> and I'm like, that sounds beautiful and poetic. <laughs> it's all you, Paul. It's all the delivery, right? <laughs> yes, especially as you stumble over it. Robert. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, though. I took mm-hmm. your compliment and made it an insult. Uh, I'm good at that. Mm-hmm. Halloween was originally a blend of ancient Celtic tradition, Samhain, and the Roman festival, Feralia. Two separate cultural celebrations of the ancestors with reverence the dead. Which reverence the dead? The Romans... Uh, yes, I know. My own stuff. <clears throat> the Romans also... The difference is you will cut out your stuff and you'll leave me <laughs> stumbling over my phrases. Yep. <clears throat> Two separate cultural celebrations of the ancestors which reverence the dead. The Romans also added the celebration of the goddess Pomona, who represents fruits and trees, and thus we still have the various fruit aspects incorporated throughout fall and Halloween, and that's where they think we get bobbing from apples from because of the goddess Pomona. Pomona? I don't know. I don't know. As with practically every holiday in history, the holiday was used as a tool of unity by the Romans over the newly conquered Celts. As the centuries passed on, the traditions and meanings behind the holiday evolved. By the 8th century, Pope Gregory III declared November 1st All Saints Day, which turned the October 1st celebrations of Samhain and Feralia into the newly named All Hallows' Eve. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) Fucking Pope. The fucking Pope. I almost was a Pope for Halloween this year. Oh, really? Yeah, I almost bought the costume. I thought it would be real funny. (laughs) <laughs> yeah why not but then i was like this could <laughs> and then when people ask you you'd be like i'm a child molester and then you can really set the tone of the party <laughs> yeah be, be that guy <laughs> i was uh, wearing blue at a halloween party earlier this year and because uh, i had forgotten to wear an outfit uh, a costume and i was gonna like put plastic on me and tell people that i was the ocean but then i was like that's just gonna really tank the whole <laughs> yeah everybody's gonna be like, it's like uh, okay <laughs> as time wore on most of the christian traditions and celebrations of halloween began to fade turning instead into a day of mischievousness and pranks and for that reason along with the superstition surrounding the ancient celebration halloween was virtually banned in the new co- newly colonized american country halloween was virtually banned that's horrible yeah the puritans would have none of this celtic devil's holiday and certainly did not want the catholic version of the celebration for the first 200 years of white settlers invasion on america all hallows eve was relatively dormant then in the mid 1800s america saw an uptick in irish immigration due to the potato famine devastating their homeland which you know the potatoes were actually growing the, the potatoes actually yeah. grew. They were just being stolen from the... Like, they were forced to give the potatoes away. To force to give them... What do you mean, forced to give them away? They were, like, um, under... I want to say it was Britain, British control. Listen, I'm really bad with history, so this is probably all wrong. <laughs> but I do know for a fact that the potatoes were growing 
It yeah. wasn't like the ground was rotten. They were just being forced to give another country their potatoes. They were being so yeah. So, so they basically taxed. were like being starved. Yeah, yeah, basically. See, it's been a long, long time since I read about the potato famine. And when I was writing this, I was like, do I want to go off into that? And I was like, nah, I'll stay Why over Why not here. give Paul something to talk about that he knows absolutely nothing about? Great idea. <laughs> <laughs> the deep Catholic and Celtic roots of the country had made it one of the few places that still practiced All Hallows' Eve. Ireland, not America. Yeah. 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 Ireland, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Missing their homeland and seeking comfort in their traditions, Irish communities began to celebrate Halloween. The parties were a mix of European and Celtic influences. Masks were worn as part of an ancient Celtic tradition of warding off ghosts. The Celts believed that spirits returned on All Hallows' Eve to claim the souls of the living. But the masks confused the deadly spirits. During the parties, cakes were passed out as part of an old English tradition. Stemming from the similar... British celebration of All Souls Day, when the rich would walk through the streets, passing out cakes to the poor in exchange for the prayers of the poor for the wealthy family's ancestors, which, <laughs> fuck them. Right, exactly. Like, oh, I'm sorry, are you starving? You want some cake? You just gotta say a prayer for my family to remain in dominance for all of time. Here, have some cake. Mm-hmm. I'm a good person. <laughs> I also laced it with arsenic to clean up the streets. <laughs> exactly, right. There's just too many of you poor people. <laughs> We're gonna get rid of you, but here you go, sweetheart. Mm-hmm. Also, um, <laughs> where was I looking at? I love how superstitions evolve and how one day some people were sitting around like, I don't know what we're going to do about all these ghosts. They're coming here. I always do the Southern accent and I'm sorry to our <laughs> Southern friends. I, I, let me see if I can do my Irish, my Irish oh, accent. Oh, no. Wait, no, 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 no. Wait, Ireland. When you did a horrible Russian ac- or Australian <laughs> accent, we started getting listeners in Australia. So maybe yeah, do that. Yeah, so maybe. I'm going to track the Irish. I, 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 I. <laughs> Give me a second. I'm doing this, okay? I need this for me. <laughs> I, oh, I don't have my own. Ah, shit. I, why does it run together, man? It's just one word, like <laughs> one letter all together. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. The point is uh, that they're sitting around and like some guy's like, oh, you know what we gotta do? We gotta, we gotta get us to shelves. Uh, uh, we gotta scare away these ghosts. And someone's like, what if we wore a mask? And then we'll just like, confuse them and they'll think we're ghosts and we'll just all be walking around in mass and nobody will know who the ghosts are and someone thought that was like a legitimately good idea so much so that two thousand years later we're wearing masks on halloween to celebrate someone's ingenious idea to outsmart ghosts and that's that's amazing. that's basically what happened with religion that's just, yeah, exactly. yeah, i mean it's the same exact story <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> what if we have like a celebration at the end of the year and we'll put up Christmas, we'll put up these trees and we'll give good gifts and to kids. remember that Jesus came out of the rock three days exactly. later. And, that, and that'll remind and people. You got to make sure on every Easter that we have these bunnies. Exactly. And, and they lay eggs. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And they're the only bunnies that ever lay eggs, but they're special because they're Jesus's That's bunnies. Right. Exactly. I actually don't know what Easter is all about, but it's about Jesus rising from the dead. I know dead. that, but like but I don't know where the bunnies imp- come from and stuff like that. Nobody knows because, well, because it was again just like Halloween, just like Christmas, it was a blend of culture celebrations. So you had all these weird things blending together, and then two th- again, hundreds of years later, people are like, "Oh, you're gonna take Christ out of Christmas? Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> How dare you?" As if it was never. Like, not always about Christ. Yeah. Like, that was something incorporated later. Again, all about bringing unity, which again and again, people are like, how do we get these folks together? We have these people over here and these people over here. We'll just make them celebrate the same holiday. And it worked. Mm-hmm. I mean, here we are defending here Christmas are. to the death, even though it has nothing to do with Jesus. 
Nope. Man, you try to you just try to take a Christmas tree off of a Starbucks cup and see what happens to you. <laughs> I feel like we should go to the Colt in Indiana, and we should just like just walk down the street by him and be like, "Happy holidays, happy holidays," and see no, what happens. Stand outside the church and say that, and see how many times you get punched in the face. Oh, you'll get punched. You'll actually get assaulted. <laughs> you, I, there's a chance somebody would assault you. No, everybody's not going to run up and hit you, but somebody's going to get mad. What if I do enough. it in a Satan costume? Well, then you are really asking for it. I cannot <laughs> promise anything at that but point. But I thought you had that game every year to get all your anger out where you just charged yeah, each but other that was and at broke the, That was at us, not at other people. <laughs> I will say, I, well, I, I hear that it's calmed down in the last, like, what? how long have I been gone in the past, like, eight years? But um, I don't know. I haven't been back I don't there. believe that with Trump. I'm sure that just fueled so much anger. Well, if, here's, here's how you get punched. You stand outside with a fuck Trump shirt and say happy holidays to everyone. <laughs> and then you are definitely, I promise you, will get assaulted. So there if that's what you want for a good time in Indiana, you just go to FBC of Hammond, stand outside, and, and good luck to you. <laughs> <laughs> Make a great show. Okay, where are we at? <laughs> We're right here. Okay, so this is my turn. Okay. So with the surge in costume dress-ups, suddenly this odd and relatively obscure holiday jumped into the mainstream public eye. Community celebrations and costume contests began to take place, which offered individuals one day a year to break a long-standing law, which on Halloween, people could cross-dress. There were several other reasons for the queer awakening that began to take place at the break of the 20th century, but the growing popularity of Halloween in America certainly helped struggling queers find their ways to one another. Of course, cross-dressing, even on Halloween, was a hard-won battle. The November 1st, 1912 publication of the local Pittsburgh newspaper carried a story of several men and women who had been arrested the previous evening for cross-dressing. However, just two years later, authorities were so overwhelmed by the amount of opposite-sex costumes that they announced they would no longer arrest cross-dressers on Halloween. Similar ordinances were passed in places and towns and communities across the United States, making Halloween a uniquely freeing holiday for queer people. Yep. And can you imagine, like, not only in the queer community do people put on costumes of an opposite gender yep. that they identify as? Is that the right way to say it? Yeah. Okay, I'm just making sure I'm not trying to offend anybody. Yeah. Um, and, like, I see so many, like, straight people being like, oh, yeah. oh I'm just going to, you know, I'm being silly, right? They're like, here, I'm this big burly man. I'm going to wear an Elsa costume because it's funny. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, and that's the whole point. Like, Halloween, similar to drag, it's just this outrageous expression of oneself. But if you're a queer person, and especially if you're a trans or gender nonconforming mm -hmm. person, it's one day a year where you can actually be yourself. Right, exactly. And people are like, oh, you're so outrageous. And you're like, yeah, I am, right? Right. Um, please never let me take this off. But, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, but it's true though that, um, like, I mean, obviously because straight says gender people wanted to do it, we got to do it, but whatever, you know, it was still it something worked. that was good. Yeah. Um, another huge queer fad sweeping the country at this time were the drag balls of the twenties and thirties. Finney's balls, as they were known, originated in the basement of a Michigan Avenue nightclub by a black queer Chicagoan named Alfred Finney. Finney hosted his first drag ball in 1935, and by the end of the decade, they were all the rage in the world of underground entertainment. Within 10, within 10 more years, male drag performers in mainstream nightclubs began to surface all over the U.S. However, most performers were straight, white men who hijacked, who hijacked drag and used it as a means to mock women rather than as the gender-defying art it truly is meant to be. Yeah, I just I should have put a break here, but like, because um, there's a lot in this sentence. So first of all, 
I, as I was doing my research, there was an article that talked about the drag balls, and I was, as I looked into more, I was like, I, this really contributed to like the popularity and cross dressing uh, in certain spaces, um, and um, and then the, when the drag really took off. Um, like you said, if you watch any films or, or television shows of like the 50s and 60s, drag is a huge part of it. Like, mm-hmm. But it was very much about mocking women, which I think is still an argument that we're having today. And I don't, we shouldn't be, but it's, an, it's a misunderstanding of drag. Right. But, and I think the people who are angry about drag today, and when I, I'm referring to actual like... <clears throat> you know, the gender bending, like, actual thing. I'm sure there are some assholes who still do it to mock, but yeah. um, I think they just are have never maybe been to one. Yeah, or, exactly. You know, they're, like, maybe they grew up in a really conservative area. They've never actually gone out to a nightclub and seen a performance or even met a drag queen, so to them, maybe that's just this really horrible thing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, I, th- I remember... Um, just a lack of knowledge. I remember David explaining something to me early on where he was like, you know, people act like we're just men impersonating women and we're, we're like trying to reclaim like, oh, men already have everything and now we're trying to be women. But he's like, I've never seen a woman look like me in drag. He's like, right. this isn't, I'm not trying to impersonate woman. It's a whole separate art right. form. Yes, it has a very feminine aspect to it, exactly. but femininity is it's not the secluded to the women. Face. It's the morphing of, it's becoming somebody else. It's exactly. like the full transition, like, I mean, you're becoming a character. Right the full transformation. Yeah, Exactly. One day we're going to have the the trailer park girls on and we're yeah. going to talk about the drag balls. I always refer to drag as like when people ask me, they're like, oh, is that weird for you to date a drag queen or things like that? I'm like, no, so it would be just like dating a magician or a clown. Yeah. Like they go, or they do actor. their Yeah, they go, they do their act. Then the makeup comes off and they're their regular self. It's the same exact thing. Yeah, exactly. It's like you said, it's just a character, you know, and people enjoy it and people mm-hmm. have enjoyed it for centuries, which we're going to talk about in our next episode, yep. by the way. So despite the uh, straight man hijacking drag and using it as a mockery, <laughs> <laughs> costumes and cross-dressing were becoming more popular and accepted in average day society, provided that drag costumes stayed in their place, meaning off the public streets and out of the public eye, especially not in church, That's unless true. it was Halloween at church. Then all bets were off. <laughs> As blogger Donald Eckert once stated, there was still a lot of police harassment in the 1970s, and wearing drag in public was sometimes used as grounds for arrest. So, Halloween was the only day of the year that it was safe for a man to go out in public wearing a dress, or at least that it was accepted that it, this was the accepted wisdom. Now, throughout the lavender scare of the 1950s and into the tumultuous 1960s, queer Halloween parties continued to thrive and evolve in their lavish costumes and wild parties. One of the biggest queer celebrations took part, not surprisingly, in San Francisco. The roots of the Polk Street parties can be traced all the way back to 1948 when a local merchant kicked off a costume party. In all honesty, the contest was really meant for children, but within just a few years, the gays had taken over the scene, which I find hilarious because that's literally what they did. It's like, we're going to have a costume party where everybody can come, everybody can dress up, the kids are going to love it, and then some gay man was like, hello, look at me, I spent 17 hours last night on this outfit, and you are going to give me that prize. And it's the, he's the only adult with all the other children, (laughs) and then next year, he's like, shove it, he's like, move out of the way, Shannon. Sally, get your ass over there. (laughs) 
Then <laughs> next year, there's like three more that join because they saw the one gay guy doing exactly. it. And there's two children, five gay men. Yep. And then it then finally people are like, all right, we're gonna. Find I don't think we should bring our child there anymore. <laughs> Basically, exactly <laughs> how it went. So. By 1950, people knew the Polk Street costume celebration was a queer party. And though the celebration could not be advertised as a gay Halloween gathering, according to biographer and historian Randy Schultz, whose most notable work was the book and the band played on, one police chief told the queer organizers, This is your night. You run it. Which was said by the chief more as a surrender to the restrictions placed on police by Halloween ordinances rather than any form of acceptance or tolerance. It was often noted that right at the stroke of midnight, officers would come out in full force to arrest anyone still cross-dressed or considered any type of threat, which a lot's where a lot of your like Cinderella things yeah. like at midnight I p- turn into a pumpkin, but mm-hmm. like literally at midnight you had to get the fuck out of there. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> this is also where the use of masks came heavily into play, as those who were able to elude police capture could feel safe that the officers had no idea what their perp looked like. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Some have also stated that this is where the extreme looks of drag evolved. In Halloween, A History of America's Darkest Holiday, author David J. Skull wrote, A distinctly over-the-top drag aesthetics evolved. Since, traverse, since travesty drag didn't fool anybody, it couldn't be considered a legitimate attempt at identity fraud. Which, if you remember from our Jose, Soria, Jose Julio Soria episode... Mm-hmm. Um, he talked about how the people would do these extreme versions of drag and then they would wear um, a sign that said, I'm a boy. Yeah. Because that way the, the police, because if they couldn't arrest you for being in costume, they could say you were trying, if you were t- looked too good, they could say you were trying to commit fraud. Right. So, um, so that meant that officers couldn't further charge victims they did arrest as attempting to defraud people. A common added charge to drag queens or tran- and transgender women. Of course, another reason for the masks and makeup was general safety from being outed, whether by a scorned one-night party fling or by a reporter who had managed to sneak into the party. Naturally, the Halloween celebration was quite large and security could not be held as tightly as it was in most queer spaces of the time. Even with local restrictions temporarily lifted, patrons still put themselves at risk if they were, if they were exposed for being queer. So for nearly 30 years, despite the dangers and the multiple laws against gay people fraternizing, gathering, or simply existing, remember there are laws that said that gay people could not um, could not gather together. Mm-hmm. If you remember when we way back when we talked about the Daughters of Belitis, yep. we talked about that. Um, <clears throat> the party on Polk Street uh, raged every year despite this, but residents were becoming frustrated and angered by the increasing boldness of the gay party go- goers. With the Stonewall riots, the Compton Cafeteria upset, and open pride marches happening around the country, by the 1970s, the Polk Street Halloween party had turned into an open defiance of the city's homophobia and abuse. And in 1976, things came to a head with California's repeal of the sodomy laws. Queer partygoers took this to mean that they were now free to express themselves, and the Polk Street's 1976 Halloween parade was packed full of every assortment on the LGBTQ alphabet. But this would be its final hurrah as police raided the event, setting off tear gas, dispersing the crowd, and arresting several members. Resilient as ever, leaders in the community such as Jose Julio Soria and Harvey Milk began to organize events on the budding queer scene of Castro Street just a few blocks away. In 1979, almost one year after Milk's assassination, Castro Street was bursting with queer people wishing to celebrate 
what Harvey had worked so hard to accomplish. And in 1980, records show over 30,000 people at the Castro Street Parade and nighttime events. On the opposite side of the country, another gay Halloween party had erupted into a massive event. Starting in 1974, the Greenwich Village Halloween Pride Parade had grown from a few hundred people to over 200,000 in just five years. In fact, while the Pride Marches of June were were somber, political demonstrations, the tight... Okay, it's because it was on a different page. In fact, while the Pride Marches of June were somber political demonstrations, the typical Pride celebrations we enjoy today are rooted in the Halloween parades of the 1980s. The the village's celebration soon inspired similar Halloween parades in other parts of the country as well. And again, it was the nature of Halloween that allowed straight and cisgender people to put down their defenses for the night and enjoy queer art and expression. Yeah, so Halloween was actually the original Pride parades. So you had marches, but you had the pride parades were were all mm-hmm. on Halloween. Um, so over the next twenty years, the gays dominated Halloween. As expected of the queer com- as uh, as acceptance of the queer community grew, more heterosexual people became involved in the Halloween celebrations. So much so that by nineteen ninety five, the Castro Halloween parade had grown to half a million people, prompting the San Jose Mercury News to report. It simply got too big for its britches. Although not all partygoers have bothered to wear them, part of the event's appeal has been its disdain for good taste and conventional modesty. The only dress code has been that imposed by the chilly night air. <laughs> Which I'm sure things, especially in the 80s, and then like 95, I remember 90s fashion. I'm sure it was yeah. a lot of like... Uh, like um, real, real, real tiny short jeans, mm-hmm. jean shorts, and yep. like, you know... Which, All kinds of fun colors. Another good reason to move it to June, because someone was probably yeah. like, okay, but honestly, I love this. I do, but really, guys, I just want to be out here in underwear only, <laughs> and it's a little cold. It's it's getting a little much for me. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, along with the growth in attendance came an increase in violence and vandalism. Some brought on by the partygoers, and some brought on by homophobes looking for a fag to chase. By 2007, the Castro Street Halloween Parade had closed down as the city paid thousands of dollars to advertise the dangers of the parade and more than 500 police officers patrolled the streets. That's just looking for... Right? You know, at that point, you're just like, get out there and get as many people on whatever you can. Yep, literally. However, the impact of queer culture on Halloween could not be erased. Today, Halloween is known as the gay Christmas, much to the ire of anti-queer activists. It is not surprising that some extremist right-wing groups despise Halloween, claiming it is due to its satanic roots, when in reality, their hatred of the queer community no doubt spurts these views. Individuals such as the former Jerry Falwell, who instituted the anti-Halloween tradition of Hell Houses. Sorry, yeah, I didn't wear that white. Right, but yeah. <laughs> meant as an evangelical alternative to haunted houses and queer pride parades. The Hell Houses take Christians on a journey of terror, as actors play out exactly how sinners will pay for their sins in hell. For example, the abortion room shows a botched abortion where supermarket meat is used to depict fetal tissue and blood squirts out of the mother's vagina. Another is the premarital sex room, which shows a prom queen becoming a prostitute after she gave it all away to her high school boyfriend. Gave it all away is an evangelical term for losing one's virginity. I don't think anybody was questioning that. 
Sorry. <laughs> I don't know what people say, okay? <laughs> I don't know what you guys say in the real world. <laughs> so maybe that's not a cult term. <laughs> and we don't have to really guess how they depict queer people. In one house, a lesbian commits suicide because she cannot stand her sin and she is literally dragged to hell. In the most common hell house experience, visitors gleefully watch an actor playing a gay man die from AIDS. Needless to say, this entire practice had drawn harsh criticism and even an official report by the National Gay and Lesbian Task Task Force. Yeah. Sure, that was great, but I'm sure there was no priest like child molester priests in there, like, you know, getting their dick chopped off or something. No, it's very much so. We had a hell house. We are, I don't think, I'm trying to remember because I don't think our church put it on. It was a local church Mm -hmm. and we would advertise for them. My church did a really weird flip on Halloween. Like, they were actually really pro Halloween until about the early 2000s. And then all of a sudden they were like, oh, shit, no, we can't be pro-Halloween. Um, and I think that's really honestly when the rhetoric that Halloween was like, is a gay holiday was really coming in. When you yeah. read articles, they start talking about that early 2000s and all of a sudden churches are like, no, we can't do that. Um, so we had a hell house. And it's like, um, you know, it's just taking your so-called sin. Like you lie and then you end up homeless on the streets. And um, like you said, the, like the prom queen, she has premarital sex. So now she be, instantly turns to prostitution. Mm-hmm. It's just and, like a switch. Exactly. I wish um, I wish there was one near us, which of course would never get any kind of going. Oh, I would go. Island. But I, I would go and watch it as like a comedy. That's what I would say. I would love to go to one with you because I know you would be like on the floor laughing at this. And everybody else would be like, <laughs> like how dare you? But they do. But the whole point of it is they bring little kids in and it's to mm-hmm. teach little kids not to sin. It's and not to, to scare adults. It's about little kids. Right. And then as everybody's looking at me so angry, I laugh more because it gets uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Doing your famous like, sir, <laughs> when you want to come out outside out back and talk to us and you're just like cracking up but also crying like help me <laughs> <laughs> yeah basically <laughs> so yeah but but the bigger thing is they're very very big especially nowadays about like they'll have radio advertisements that say come watch the gay man die of aids like you'll you know mm-hmm. like to, to to attract people so they still go on and um there's a documentary in here too which we'll leave at the end But for all their attempts to rain on our parade, Halloween continues to be one of the most popular celebrations in the country, and it only continues to gain recognition as the great gay holiday. So don't let the bastards get you down. Celebrate and be as queer as you can this year. Your recommended resource for the is an activity this year. If you live near New York, check out the 46th annual Halloween parade at 7 p.m. on Thursday night. That's the parade started by Queer People, the original Gay Pride Parade, not the Gay Pride March, but mm-hmm. Gay Pride Parade. And if you don't live near the Big Apple, try another local parade or even your favorite gay bar. But for those of you who do who want to stay in for the evening, may we recommend the book Death Makes a Holiday by David J. Skell. Or perhaps a documentary, Hell House, available on Amazon. Make sure you get the 2002 Evangelical documentary. Or any of the other sources we've dropped this past month. Whatever you do, make sure it honors our queer roots. Be super queer. Live your truest life. Have a lot of fun. If you like candy, eat a lot of candy. It goes on sale like November 1st, Mm -hmm. so you can stock up in two days. Um, Be safe. Be safe, yes. Be smart. Um, Watch your drink, wear a condom. Yes, all the things that you need Good to stuff. do. Make sure you have your If I Go Missing file saved. Um, what? <laughs> the fuck is that? If you go missing, you want all of your information so people can find you. 
Well, how is that? What does that mean? Like, like what, your bank account logins, your credit card logins, your cell phone login. So they can, oh, so they can look it up yeah. and track you. Yeah. Oh, well, wow. I've never. I'm. Oh, wow. Look at I you. I should probably get a little checked. Maybe they're like, <laughs> get a little paranoid, Paul. But let me tell you, if something ever happens to me. There we go. And if it doesn't, I'll just go into your computer and open all your files and take your money. So that yeah, works there you too. Go. That's true. <laughs> um, but anyways, where was I going with this? Halloween uh, yes. is a time of... Wow. What, wow. what does that say? What does it say? Is it a security alert? Yeah. Because ah. um, Evan hasn't updated his security in three months <laughs> if you're looking for a computer to hack. Um, but just have fun. Be yourself enjoy your holiday and um as we move towards the holiday season if you don't have somebody to celebrate with reach out to us can't be there in person but we'll we'll talk to you we'll we'll chit chat and absolutely you know if you have any questions or need some advice you can ask us we give the best advice yep we (laughs) well we give some advice But um, we, um, most advice comes from Evan, <laughs> and if you're looking for conversation, you can talk to me. We also have <laughs> a blog on our, uh, which will be shared, but a, a blog um, article called Homo So Alono about getting through the holidays, mm-hmm. and we have a video, it's on our YouTube, and it's on our Patreon, which if you're a Patreon, you can join for as low as, how low can it, is it? I think it's a dollar is the lowest. Um, yeah. And honestly, we haven't been as active on it as I would like. We haven't really been active on it at all. Yeah. Uh, but we've both been incredibly busy. And so everybody who has remained a patron, thank you. Yeah. Because your continuing contributions are what make the podcast possible. It's how we pay for hosting. It's how we pay for um, anything we need. We're currently saving money right now because we're going to try to expand into some marketing. And yep. we're kind of looking at doing like a little a mini pride tour this yeah. coming June. Yeah. So so we have um, a lot of things and, yeah. and Patreon really helps us with that. And we're trying to put some more content up there. But there are some old, older videos if you want to go watch them. There's the blog. And um, and we do stay pretty, we stay very active during the holidays. Our scripts get a little shorter and sometimes they're a little looser, but we do stay active. So you don't have to worry about us disappearing and not being here. We may take a week or two off. So like for instance, the week of the 12th, we won't have an episode or the 13th, we won't have an episode. But otherwise, maybe I'll get I'll get excited and drop something. Maybe he will. That that would be probably great. not. But, but it's a possibility. But other than a week or two off here and there, we stay consistent through the holidays. So we're here, and we're queer, and uh, message us. <laughs> Call us. <laughs> write us Evan's a letter. phone number is mm-hmm. write <laughs> us a letter um, and reach out to us with any recommendations or questions or anything. Yeah. If um, yeah. That's it. That's yeah, it. That's Stay it. queer. Don't get a lobotomy. We love you, our little allied hookers. We little succulent sapphists. And our proud homocrats. And um, and our allied hookers. Did you say allied hookers? I don't know. I'm hungover. What? And have a spooktacular Halloween-themed sodomy circus. Yes. Bye. Bye.